Well, we began this year with an emphasis, and our emphasis, of course, is evangelism and harvest. Everyone say evangelism and harvest. That's what this cross is all about. We're stirring up uh, the heart of evangelism in us and praying for people who need to be saved. And in fact, my goal is this. Let me just tell you, how many of you know uh, it's, it's uh, easy to make a habit, but it's hard to break a habit? Uh, you, can, you can make a habit, build a habit in like 21 days, they say, but it takes like 45 to break a habit. And, and so here's what we're, I'm endeavoring to do in reference to that somewhat. My goal for my own life and for our church is to rewire us a little bit and, and if, you, if you will, restrand the DNA of our life because how many of you know it's supposed to be in our DNA as believers to be contagious Christians? If Jesus' blood uh, is, is coursing through our veins, if we belong to Him, uh, then we should be after like kind. And Jesus, of course, was very contagious with the gospel and with the message of, 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 uh, of His love for humanity. And so we've been talking about being what? Contagious. Amen. Uh, and so, so over these, next few, these last few weeks and the next few weeks, I'm hoping that the in, in a sense, we will get rewired, if you will, uh, to the proper uh, uh, circuit or however illustration you want to uh, get it, where we can become uh, more and more like Jesus. Matthew chapter 5 is our keynote verse, and it basically says two things. Jesus said to his disciples, his first recorded message there, the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, you are what? You are salt and you are light. Everyone say it out loud. We are and we are not you should be salt and you should be light. The, the, the identity of our, of, of, of our life as a Christ follower is to be salt and light. That is becoming and being contagious Christians. Understanding and knowing the, the illustration of salt and light. It just reflects the reality that we should be contagious in our walk with Christ. And so if we're not contagious, something about the DNA of our life has gotten disconnected and miscombobulated, and, and, and I want us to get rewired correctly and get back on track with who we are. Everybody say we are salt and we are light. That is, we are to be contagious Christians in this thing called uh, being a child of God. Amen? Now this morning, I want to continue in this same vein. I want to give you the big idea. Everybody say the big idea. Ask your neighbor, what's the big idea? What's the big idea? Well, the big idea is this, and I want you to read it with me today. Here we go. The whole world, let's read it out loud. The whole world is searching for somebody or something to life them, love them, liberate them, as well as lead them. As salt and light, we should always be looking for inroads into their hearts to show them Jesus. Let's read it together again. Everybody together. Here we go. The whole world is searching for somebody or something to life them, love them, liberate them, as well as lead them. As salt and light, we should always be looking for inroads into their hearts to show them Jesus. That's what I want to talk to you about today because here's what I believe about everybody. I believe about every person, those who are not born again, those who have never given their life to Christ. I believe there's an inroad to their heart. Are you with me? Hey, it's about Valentine's. All the, all the ladies say, praise the Lord. You know, you've heard this. 
you know, what it, what, how, what's the way into a woman's heart? You know, could it be diamonds? Not in my house, I don't think. I hope not. That's expensive. Chocolates, maybe. A cheap box of chocolates from, from the drugstore. I don't know. All these things, how do you get to a woman's heart? And so, and if you ask a woman, it's not about chocolates, right? Well, some of them it might be. Chocolate, love chocolate. But you know what? That's the reality about all of us. There's an inroad to all of our hearts. And I want to talk to you about some today. And I want to talk to you about the reality that as salt and light, we have a responsibility to always be looking for an inroad into someone's heart. And sometimes the door's wide open and we do not see it. And so as salt and light, we have the responsibility to begin to find inroads into the heart of humanity. And so with that in mind, uh, uh, let's, let's look at some this morning. I want to show you what I'm going to call three universal inroads. There's just, there's just, uni- every, I, I, I believe this is the case with everybody on planet earth. I, I think these three thoughts that I'm going to share with you this morning are universal. They're across the board. They are open doors into the heart of humanity that is lost and without Christ. And so let me share them with you this morning. The first one is this, hope. Everyone say hope. What I think I've learned, what I believe I've learned, and what I believe from Scripture is that the whole world is searching for hope in their heart. They're looking for hope, hope for the future. In fact, Pastor Sam's definition of hope has been this really throughout my ministry life. It is this, a confident expectation of good for the future. Most people, when they think of hope, they think of rock, paper, scissors kind of hope that, well, I hope everything works out, you knock on wood. You know, I hope things are, are, you know, like a, you know, you're just hoping that things would uh, be better tomorrow, kind of like a desperation mindset. But that's not the case with God, with the kind of hope that God gives. It's a confident expectation of good for the future. And what I believe I've learned about all of humanity, everybody on planet Earth, needs hope. And it's an inroad, I believe, to the heart of man because people are searching for hope. And how many of you know there's no hopeless case when it comes to the God of hope? Think about the thief on the cross. How many of you know he needed some hope in his heart? And even the, the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, hanging next to him, Gave him hope, gave him a confident expectation of good for the future and introduced him to the way into eternity. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. How many of you know when you're on your deathbed, or in his case, hanging on a cross between heaven and earth, to know that when you slip from this life, you're going straight into eternity with God. That'll give you some hope. And I've learned that I believe believe that the whole world is searching for hope. Hope is a precious commodity today. There's a lot of hopeless people in the world. And we can look and realize that the people that we live around, in fact, let's just do a quick unofficial survey. How many of you in the world around you, you deal with people that really are searching for hope in their hearts and lives? They need hope. They just look hopeless. They, they, they sound hopeless. They talk hopeless. They look hopeless. They, 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 they're desperately searching for something to give them a, a positive outlook look on their future. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, it says, Hope deferred causes the heart to be sick. 
When people lose hope, they get sick in their heart. When the, something that they hoped for didn't come through it, it causes a sickness on the inside. And could I tell you today, I believe this about humanity. The, the, all of humanity is searching for the hope of God in their hearts. They need to know a confident expectation of good for their future. The Scripture's filled, and I want to show you some. I want to spend a little time here. Turn it with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 15. I want to show you a few verses about the power of hope in our life. This is a declaration. Uh, begins with a quote from Isaiah, verse 12 in Romans 15. It says, and again Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse. How many of you know that's Jesus? A root of Jesse. And he who, and pardon me, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles shall hope. You know what he said? In Jesus, the Gentiles, all the Gentiles say, hallelujah. Those who are not Jews, they are going to hope. They're going to have a confident expectation because of Jesus. Now, I love verse 13. Uh, We need to memorize this. Now, may the God of what? He's the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that's what the whole world's looking for right there? The whole world is looking for the God of hope. They don't know, may not know his name. They may not know they're looking for him. They're searching for hope. And, and, and uh, Paul said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to read a passage of Scripture in just a moment. Our keynote verse from God's Not Dead. Oh, let me stop and give you a a little uh, commercial about Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we're going through uh, Rice Brooks' book, God's Not Dead. Let me just say to you, Every church, every church member, every family needs to read this book and begin to teach it to our children. Hey, it's not easy reading, but it is uh, important reading. In fact, uh, Wednesday night, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to address what the skeptics of this world, that's what Rice does. He spent a lot of time studying what the skeptics and the atheists of this, the militant atheists who are bombarding culture day in and day out with their message that God is dead. Everybody say, God's not dead. He ain't even sick. He's not. And I want to encourage you to be here Wednesday night. How many of you here Wednesday night and you can say it was worth your while? All right. And so God's not dead. Uh, in fact, this scripture I'm going to look at in a moment, uh, that it's going to just reveal that the world is watching and looking for someone who has hope in their heart. Ephesians 2.12, uh, Paul described who we were before Jesus came. You were without Christ having no hope and without God in this world. Hebrews 6.19, I love this one. The hope we have, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. You see, when you know what's going on in your future, there's a hope. There's an anchor of the soul in our heart that we have as hope of God. And then this passage of Scripture, if you want to turn there, you can. I'll turn and read it quickly. It's 1 Peter 3.15. It says this about the hope of God and how people look to us for the hope of God. It says this, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense or a reason to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now catch this. He said, be ready. Everybody say, be ready. 
Throw hell back up if you want to preach a message, but you sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. You get him as Lord and leader of your heart. You set him uh, apart as the Lord and the leader of your life and be ready to give a reason to everyone who asks you for a reason, not for what you believe, but for the hope they see in your life. Listen, when we walk with the hope of God, the world that does not have hope will ask us, why are you so hope-filled? Wow, I love that. And the world's looking for hope, and the hope of God is the answer to the whole world. I believe it's a universal inroad to the hearts of men. The whole world needs hope for their future, an anchor for the soul in times of trouble and trauma. You know, when, when our nation has gone through seasons of the uh, trouble and trauma, the 9-11s of life, people are searching for hope in what seems to be a hopeless scenario, and His name is Jesus. Amen. The second universal hope that I, pardon me, the universal inroad to the hearts of men is not only hope, but I believe a universal hunger for God. Whether people realize it or not, they were created by God. And they were all created with an, with an, an insight, or pardon me, an inner understanding that God is real. I believe that with all my heart. In fact, the Bible says the creation declares the glory of God. And it has been said, and I believe it to be true, that all of humanity has been created with a God-shaped void in their hearts. There is a God-shaped void in the heart of every man. Now, understand, when you believe this, when you understand this, you can begin to see the inroad into people's heart. They're hungry for something. There's something missing in their life. How many of you came to a place in your life before you gave your life to Christ, you just realized there's something desperately missing? And you search for this and you search for that and you've tried to fill the void with all kinds of misshapen stuff and it just didn't fit. It just didn't taste right. It just didn't work. How many of you know we got a big, huge, we got a huge drug and alcohol problem, not only in America, but around the world. You know why? Because people are trying to find something that will fit, that will, that will answer this void in their hearts that only God can fill. And you need to realize that when you see your friends and loved ones going here and there, doing this and that, don't be judgmental with them. They can't help it. They've got a God-shaped void in their heart and they're trying to figure out a way to get that hunger and that missing link fitting in their hearts, to give them peace on the inside, to be able to fix the inner quandaries of their life. I love what Psalm 107, 9 says. David said, For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Who I love that. I mean, I, 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 I'm telling you, i got to read it again. Could I read it again? Some of you already checked out on me. Some of you already think about lunch. I could see it on your face. Crawfish season's just around the corner. Relax. Here it is. David said this. For he, that is God, satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. You see, his name is Jesus. He's not a drug. He's not a drink. He's not an illicit relationship. His name is Jesus. And he will satisfy. In fact, you know what he said. Everybody say, you know what he said. He said this in John 6, 35. He said, I am the bread of life. 
I love it. He said, and he who comes to me shall never hunger. Whoo! He is the answer for the world today. Andre Crouch got it right. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Only Jesus can satisfy the hunger of your heart. Poor, everybody say, poor Mick Jagger. He can't get no satisfaction. He tried. And he tried. But he can't get no satisfaction. Why? He's trying to, and by his own admission, in fact, I saw uh, on the news he's writing a new book and telling all about all the things he tried to do to, 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 to fit the God, the, something to, to fill the void in his life. But he can't get no. It just doesn't work. It doesn't matter how much you stack up. Only Jesus can fill that void in our heart. That God-shaped void in the hearts of every man. And you and I need to understand that our friends and neighbors that do not know Jesus, they have a God-shaped void in their heart that only Jesus can fill. And I believe this, and we learned this from God's Not Dead, that God created us all with a God consciousness in our life. In fact, this Wednesday night, we're going to talk about the quandary of good and evil. How many of you know uh, those who say there is no God uh, somehow have a, there's an argument they haven't figured out? Then where, where's the moral law? Because if there is no God, there is no moral law. Then there is no right and wrong. I love what Rice Brooks said. Let me see if I can quote him. Uh, it's safe to say that the existence of evil is not evidence of God's absence, but evidence of his absence in, uh, in humanity. You see, understand something. Uh, all of us have been created by God with a God-shaped void in our heart and really a God consciousness in our life, whether we want to admit it or not. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. The whole world is searching for Jesus. They just don't know his name. Amen. And then the third universal inroad into the heart of humanity that I see is so prevalent in the world today is not only a, a hunger and a need for the hope of God in their life and a hunger and need for God's uh, 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 wisdom and will in their life, but a, a need for a healing in their life. Did you know the whole world's sick? Everybody's sick. Pastor, that's a bad confession. I'm talking about lost people. They're sick. I'm talking about people who do not know him. They are sick and there's all kinds of sicknesses. And I'm not talking just about, and, and specifically not necessarily speaking of physical sickness. How many of you know uh, the world without Christ is a sick world? I think of Peter. When Peter denied the Lord, how many of you know sin separated him from Jesus? And Peter, the Bible says he went out and did what? He wept bitterly. I'm telling you, this man had a soul sickness. A sickness of his soul that caused him to weep and mourn. His mind, you know the Bible says the, the, our soul is basically the mind, the will, and the emotions. We have a whole world that has a, have soul sickness. They've got mental issues, emotional issues in their life. There's a world that is without Christ that is, has a soul sickness. Let me give you a couple of quick facts. 42 million Americans suffer from a mental health problem. 42 million. 
Eight million Americans report, this is the ones who reported, suicidal thoughts. We've got a sin-sick world. We've got a soul-sick world. Hey, catch this one. Six million kids in America suffer from an emotional, behavior, or developmental problem. Eight percent of the young people of America have attempted suicide. We've got soul sickness. With infidelity and divorce so prevalent, there's emotional wounds and pains all around us. How many of you have seen it everywhere you go? We have a world, and, and let me just say, it's a terrible, uh, it's a terrible testimony to the, to the state of humanity. But understand something today. The sickness of this world, the soul sickness of this world is an open door for the church to step into their world and begin to bring the healing balm of God. In fact, I love what Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians 4, 7. He said this, the peace of God. He said, let the peace of God do what? Rule your heart. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. You see, he can speak peace to the most troubled heart. He can bring healing to the most troubled mind. How many of you here today have found yourself in an intense period of soul sickness? Whether it's the loss of a loved one, loss of a loved one or a divorce or a pain or a sorrow or an agony. Something that has inflicted you terribly. But as you spend time with Jesus, come on, I'm telling you. When you get into his presence, his healing balm begins to be made manifest in your life. And the healing power of God comes, touches and heals you. Amen. That's an inroad that we have into the hearts of men. We can say to them, hey, once I was blind, but now I see. I know I've been there before. I can tell you. This morning, in fact, this, I, I'm, I'm a part of a group of guys with our Church on the Rock network of ministers that are just my band of brothers. And every Sunday morning, we, there's a little text thread. We all text one another. Our president, Pastor Sonny, kind of starts it off early in the morning, and then we all share. And one of our brothers, uh, who's one of his sons, uh, their grown sons, has been struggling with drugs. And he just said, man, pray for my son. He's struggling with drugs. He tried to commit suicide. And man, we just began to pray for him and praying for a healing of his soul. And then one other pastor who I knew personally had been down that road already with his son. He texted him. He said, listen, I know where you're coming from. My wife and I have been there. We, we know the pain of your heart and the sorrow of your heart. Listen, just to know somebody's there and we realize, hey, Jesus can heal us of the soul sickness of our life. Hey, when you know what the Bible says about those who don't know Christ? They sorrow as those who have no hope. They don't know there's a healing. Why is the suicide rate so strong? They don't know Jesus. They don't know there's hope in their life and that Jesus will heal the, the sorrows and the pains of our life. In fact, I believe a lot of physical sickness is born out of soul sickness. We get our soul sick and our mind and our emotions get all uh, uh, you know, undone and then it begins to affect our body. And then not only is there soul sickness, but there's sin sickness. Listen, the whole world without Christ are sick with sin. It's a pandemic, a pandemic. That's a global problem. It's a global pandemic problem of de deadly contagion that only pays a tragic dividend of death. 
Everybody that does not name the name of Christ are on their way to hell in a hurry. You need to understand that. There's a world that's sin, sick, and they're on their way to a devil's hell. And we have the answer. In fact, this morning in Sunday circles, we walked through the Roman road that is the answer to the sin sickness of all humanity. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many of you know that's the reality? We're all gone astray. But then the second part of it is Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. But guess what? The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's an answer for the sin sickness of this world. His name is Jesus. And then Romans 10.13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, the world has some universal open doors of opportunity for us. Their need for hope is where we come in. That's what salt and light does. We walk through the door of people's hopelessness and show them Jesus and show them the hope of God. The world is hungry. They're thirsty. They're searching for something to fill the God-shaped void in their life. Today we can give them Jesus. And the whole world needs a healing. They're soul sick. Listen. How many of you know somebody that's soul sick? And all of us know some people that are sin sick. Hey, that's the way we all were. What did Paul say in Ephesians? We were all that way. We were by nature children of wrath. Even as the whole world, but God who is rich in mercy. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, He made us alive together. Amen. Today God's called us. We are. This is the DNA of our life. I pray we'd begin to let God rewind if, us, if you will, and restrand us and reconnect us to who we are. And that is salt and light. That God would begin to stir us and begin to real, that we'd begin to realize the whole world needs Jesus. The whole world is sin sick. The whole world is soul sick. The whole world is hungering for something to feel the God-shaped void in their life. The whole world is without hope and they don't know God and they're without hope in this world and we know his name is Jesus that's why he came in fact what did he say in John 14 6 he said I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me or through me what's the big idea everybody say what's the big idea here it is the whole world. That, hey, that's your friends and neighbors. That's not just people across the wild blue yonder. That's your loved ones. They're searching for somebody or something to life them. The Bible says without Christ we're dead. They're searching for someone to love them. They're searching for someone to liberate them from the sickness of sin in their life and free them. And believe it or not, they're searching for someone to lead them. And his name is Jesus. And as salt and light, we should always be looking for inroads into their hearts to show them Jesus. This week, my wife brings a point to bear. She said, yes, we have friend day March 15th, but hey, we don't have to wait till March 15th to invite people to be, be at church or be, become a Christian. 
This is who we are. Salt and light does not have a date and a time. This is our identity. This should be the DNA of our life as believers. And so today, as we come to the close of this service, I just pray that our eyes would be opened, that our understanding would begin to be opened, that we would come to a place where we realize this is who I am. Let's stand together today. And as we stand together, there's plenty of time. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to pray for opportunities that we'd walk through the doors of opportunity this week. But as we bow our head before God, I would be amiss if I didn't stop and ask you this morning. If you're here and you've never really given your life to Christ, you've never allowed Him to be the Lord and the leader of your life, listen, you've got to understand you need a Savior. You've got to understand that Jesus is the way. You've got to ask Him. Lord Jesus, I invite you to be in my heart. If you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, that He died for you and rose again the third day, the Bible says if you believe that and have faith in that, you can be His child. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just need to know for sure that Jesus Christ lives in my heart. I want to give Him my life. I want to let Him be the Lord and the leader of my life. I've been searching. Today I believe I've found Him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm here to lead you to Jesus. Anyone here? If that's you today, just lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Finally, if you're here and you know that Jesus Christ has died for you and rose again the third day and you've invited him into your heart but you've not really been following him you've not allowed him to be the Lord of your life and the leader of your life if that's, to, if that's you today I want to pray for you wherever you are if you're here today and say pastor today I want to make a commitment to let him be Lord because if he's not Lord of all he's not Lord at all if that's you lift your hand I'm going to pray for you right where you are anyone amen finally today as we close we're going to pray for divine opportunities that we would begin to walk through these inroads into the hearts of men and women this week. These universal inroads of hope, hunger, and healing. That we begin to walk through them and somebody, some of you here today already know some people who are need hope. That they're searching for something. They need a healing in their hearts. We're going to pray for them right now. We're going to pray that God would give us the capacity to walk through these open doors of opportunity and begin to intentionally make a difference in their life as salt and light. Father, today I pray for this church family. I pray today as we come to this moment of opportunity that this week, Lord, even today, even this afternoon, Lord God, you would give us divine appointments and opportunities to walk through these universal open doors of opportunity, these, these inroads into the hearts of people and loved ones that we have. God, we number one, we pray for them and we continue to pray for them. But number two, we pray, Lord God, for this inroad of opportunity to be made manifest so we can walk through the door so simply let you be the Lord and the leader of their life I want you now just say Lord give me divine opportunities this week to walk through the inroads walk through these open doors find these inroads of opportunity into the hearts of those we love 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.